You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hey, it's Tim Robertson, the Tech Fan Podcast. And Guy from the MyMac.com Podcast. And Tim, I got to tell you, I have a problem. Just one? Because I could give you some suggestions. <laughs> no, not those kinds of problems. Well, what is it then? Well, the Stoplight Podcasting Network has all these great free podcasts, but it still costs money to produce and upload them. Yeah, tell me something I didn't already know. I'm the one paying those bandwidth costs. I just wish there was an easy way for listeners to help without it costing them anything. You know, it's funny you should say that because there actually is a way they can help and it won't cost them anything tell it to the mountain well when you're going to shop this holiday season at amazon just go to mymac.com first and click the amazon button it's over on the right hand side of the page right underneath where it says support mymac then buy the stuff you normally would have. It's not going to cost you any extra money, but Amazon's going to kick a little bit back our way, and that's going to help us pay for all the great podcasts that's part of the Stoplight Network. So if you don't mind, MyMac.com, click the Amazon button, go to Amazon, shop as you normally would. So just go to MyMac, hit the Amazon button, and shop as usual? Man, that sounds really easy. That's all there is to it. So will I finally get paid for podcasting? Uh, how much do I pay you now? Nothing. Oh, well, double it then. I knew this would pay off in the end. MyMac.com and Amazon. The perfect start to the holiday season. Good evening, everybody. It's Tech Fan number 59. Is, is that your radio voice? That, that is my radio voice. This is my radio voice. Didn't you get the memo? Radio is so dead. And it's tech fan number 59. I am Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen, all the way from across the pond in the UK. Hello, David. Hello. So We're still here. You're still here? We're still here in Europe, di- despite financial meltdown. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good in Europe. It kind of reminds me of what I was seeing going on in the US just a year and a half ago. Well, two years ago. Feels like It feels like the end times here in the moment. <laughs> Does it really? It's pretty bad. Weather's really bad, you know, the news is really bad, everyone's really depressed. And we uh, haven't even got iTunes Match yet. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? You know, I finally got iTunes Match to work for me. It took a significant amount of time. Um, I signed up for it on the first, uh, the second day. And I figured, you know, I've got, I'm going to say twelve, fifteen thousand 15,000 songs. I figured yeah. it'd take a little while, and I wasn't too concerned... Um, you know, if it took a week, that's fine. It did not work at all for me, and I'm not kidding, uh, for almost a month. But it is working now, so. Although I think they should credit me a month on my account for it not working at all. Yeah. Of course, yeah, it'd be it's... like, what, two bucks? <laughs> I guess it's the thing. You know, our, our Vonage has been down for incoming calls for a couple of days this month. And, you know, I said, said yeah, I'm going to ring them up and say I want a month's, month's credit. And, yeah. yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes you'll get it. I mean, I've, I've, I've had uh, internet provider outages uh, from Comcast in the past. And I've called and I've complained. And they've credited my account in a certain percentage. And, uh, you know, they say the most they'll do is like a week or something. Like, well, if I'm down for a week, you're going to credit me more than a week. <laughs> I don't care what your policy yeah. is. But, uh, yeah, I was checking my eligibility today. I'm, uh, my wife, Julie, and I would really like to be able to do uh, FaceTime calling on our iPhone. Yeah. And I've got an iPhone 4. She's got a 3GS. So the idea would be uh, I'll upgrade my phone to a 4S, and she'll get my 4, which is practically brand new. If you remember, uh, just a couple months ago, I had to take it back to Apple because the top button stopped working. Mm -hmm. It's working fine now. They they replaced the phone with a brand new one, so it's it's practically a brand new phone. Yeah. Um, She likes cases. She likes different cases, and it's getting increasingly more difficult to find pretty quality, decent, nice cases for the 3gs yeah. you see the four is everywhere 
Yeah, that's right. My my wife's got a. Uh, yeah, she really likes it. So it's a but it's a cheapo 3GS case we bought off Amazon. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, she likes the pattern and everything on it. But <laughs> picked it up last night. She, it, it fell under one of the children's <laughs> fell under one of the children's bed. We had to use find my iPhone to uh, to locate <laughs> it. When when it's in the two year old's bedroom, she goes. She, she's half asleep. She goes, "Daddy, there's a funny noise in here." <laughs> right. Oh, so you had a beeping. Yeah, I had it beep. Well, yeah, because otherwise, because um, she she tends to leave the leave the um, the mute switch on, so right. I couldn't call it. So find um, my iPhone actually will beep even if it's on mute. That's right. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. That's a good. Which was, that's nice to yeah. know. That was pretty cool. So yeah, I, I picked up and I, I looked at. It, I thought, man, this is mucky. I mean, it's really you know because it gets dropped in a bag all the time. Sure. And, you know, and the, the kids are always handling it and everything. And, and yeah, it's pretty dirty. I'm going to have to. Um, do that thing where you go and find a case for it, but it, as you say, it's it's getting increasingly difficult. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's really making new cases for the 3GS, even though, uh, at least here in the states, you can get a 3GS for free um, through your provider now. They basically two-year contract, and you can get a free 3GS. Which, well, which is which <laughs> is good, but obviously nobody wants it. <laughs> No, they're actually AT and T said that's they're they're moving that one more than any other right now. So they should get the case manufacturing turned up a bit then. I would think so. I think yeah. that you know if someone's going to get a free phone, eh, what's twenty nine ninety nine for a case? Uh, quite a lot of profit, I'd imagine, for yeah. AT. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as a authorized Apple reseller myself, uh, the money isn't selling the you know a, a computer. It's the case that we send with and all the accessories. That's where the profitability is. If someone yeah. just comes in and buys a computer with no Apple Care, we don't make much money. It's when we sell them a case and, you know, all the little things that you should have with a computer. Um, yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I, I, again, I'm looking at upgrading one of my phones. You know what I'm, I was thinking, should, I've got a 32 gig now. Should I go with the 64? But then I, I started looking at my phone. And it's only 75% full, and half of the stuff that's on there I never use anyways. So if I actually got rid of all the crap on there that I don't use, like I've got two GPSs on there and I only use one. Yeah, you know, I've been dealing dealing with this as well. My iPad and my uh, iPhone are both 32 gig, and they're both nearly full. And, uh, you know, it's becoming a bit of a problem now in that, you know, occasionally you want to update an app, and it, particularly if there's a big one, it won't update because there's not enough free space. Um, you know, and, and obviously, as you know, I do a lot of traveling. Sometimes I want to put a couple of movies on there and I haven't got the space. And the problem I have is that if you take, you know, a big, I think the biggest apps tend to be games, right? Well, no, GPS tends to be the biggest. Well, yeah, okay. But, but after that, you know, I've yes, got games, games that are, get the 500, 600 meg up. And obviously you only need a few of those and you've, you've taken a good percentage of your phone up. The difficulty I have is, is the way that iTunes is currently organized both on the devices and on the computer is that if you take something like that off in some ways it's like you lose it and you never see it again <laughs> it does seem like you know, that it, because you know i mean i was browsing through my list of apps this morning and i've got you know a couple of racing games that i've, I've probably never played or played only once or twice because they were big and i needed the space and i i thought oh, i don't need all of those on this so i took a couple of them off i completely forgot i had them yeah well that's gonna happen <laughs> i mean but that's kind of a neat little thing you, you get into itunes and start managing it a little bit and you're like well i'm not playing this i'm not playing this i'll delete that oh i forgot about this game and i haven't even but tried that, it yeah i just wish that rather than having everything in one great big gob of you know purchase stuff on on itunes you could you could kind of had somewhere you know kind of a locker you could put stuff away and says well i don't want this right now but i'm interested in this don't you know keep it separate from just the general mix because the more and more app, i've got we've got four five hundred apps in that list now wow. uh, and it's difficult to pick out stuff <laughs> uh, there's been a couple a couple of times in the last month where i've gone to buy something and when i've actually gone onto the itunes page i realize i already own it well here's the I thing know. <laughs> with, with icloud though uh and you could do this before anyways but you could start and this is what i would suggest go through your itunes library for apps obviously and look for the ones that you just they haven't been on your phone for a year at least and you have just yeah i, I don't even care about this and just start deleting them out of your iTunes. I think the problem is people download 
They take them off the phone, but they leave them in iTunes. Well, if you start just deleting them out of iTunes, it's going to be an easier list to manage. And if you do want one of those, it's not they're not going to charge you to download it again. You can yeah. download it for free. Yeah, so that would probably be, might, you know... Or, or maybe the stuff that I want to kind of take off the phone but come back to is actually take it out of iTunes but put the actual app file in a directory somewhere so I can see it. I would just delete of, what you you're just you know for a fact that you're not going to use again. You yeah. know how how many camera apps do you really use and compared to how many you have? I bet you've got at least five, and I bet three of them are never used. Delete them. You don't need them. Just get them off your computer. Yeah. And if you change your mind at one point, you can always download it again. I guess. Yeah, you know, and plus with iCloud, you can go into your your uh, uh, the app store and click you know not installed on this device and see everything. Mm-hmm. You know, go through those occasionally and go, oh, I forgot all about that. Well, I'm going to try it again. Click download it, and there it is. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a, a real easy, well, easier anyways, way to manage your apps than what you're currently doing. And I think it would draw your attention to the ones that are not on your iPhone. But you don't want to delete because you do want to. I bet you compare it back to 150. Yeah. Oh well, I have to have to look at that. The reason actually that the prompt that was trying to download that new Batman app. Oh yeah, um, I got that too. I haven't played it yet. Oh, it, I, it's really good. Is it really good? Oh, it's really good. If you imagine, it, it's, it works a little bit like Infinity Blade. Yeah. But I think it's better than Infinity Blade um, because huh. I found I found getting the combos in Infinity Blade quite difficult. Um, and, and the it's point a big, was, it's a big app. It's like six hundred megabytes too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so Infinity Blade, you know, the problem with it is, is even though the guys you fight are different, ultimately it's the same play mechanic every time. But because Batman has a kind of a notional story associated with it, even though you are kind of doing the same moves, it's in a different uh, environment with different types of guys, uh, and the way they've kind of captured, you know, those those great fight, those great fights you have in the big Xbox game. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> All right, while, while you talk, I'm going to... Batman Arkham City Lockdown. Yeah. I haven't played this at all, David. So they, yeah, right here really... on the podcast, I'm going to yeah. jump in. I like the graphics so far. It says Batman. Uh, little bats flying by. So I'm going to I'm gonna play like one round. So new <laughs> game. Uh, do you get to change your the look of Batman? You you can do, but you have to unlock the different suits. Uh, or can you buy them? Uh, I'd, you probably can buy them, but I'm, I'm not doing that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. So, okay, it crashed on me. <laughs> yeah, it does. does that. Well, I find a lot of these big apps do that the first time you run them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that one crashed on me right off the bat. So let's launch it again, see what happens. Um, that's a little disappointing. I mean... Look, the first time you launch it, it crashes. Yeah, that's. I, uh, I think you know that's got to color people's impression of the game. I've I've had crashes in Safari, in Mail. I I think five point five is not quite done yet. Uh, it does seem a little rushed, but you know they're releasing an, a new OS once a year now, and I think yeah. that might be a little bit too often. Okay, new game. Let's see. Uh, I got as far as clicking new game and seeing the Batman logo last time. So let's see if it actually works this time. Ooh, I got the logo twice this time. That's that's got to be a good thing. And it look, David, it crashed again. <laughs> so so far, Batman is a big fail for me. I think you need to reboot your iPad. I think you're probably right. Um, but I've been playing Batman on the Xbox, Batman Arkham City. Still, it's just a fabulous game. Just so I have, good. Yeah, I, I, will, I will hopefully grab a copy over the over the holidays. Yeah, I, you, a, it's it's really fun. It really, and I've heard good things about uh, Uncharted Three. That it's it's a fantastic game. It's still wrapped up. I still haven't opened it. So that and <laughs> this will crack you up. The other thing I've been playing a lot, and my son Cole, who just turned four last Sunday, um, same day as Justin Bryce. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've been playing um, what is it Burger Time World Tour on the PS3 it's a download game I think it was like 10 bucks or something um, but it's it's basically Burger Time and uh, it's it's quite fun it's 
it's not as challenging in some respects as the old Burger Time, but in other respects, it's it's just a totally different game. But the mechanics are there. You run over hamburgers, they drop down to the next level until you make the burger. You got to watch out for yeah. the evil egg and hot dog and pickle and those things. Uh, he he really likes it. He's getting a kick out of it. Cool, cool. It's fun. Did you, now, did you see um, the news a couple of days ago about the on live service for the iOS? Yeah, you know I. Uh, I, I signed up for it. I downloaded the app, but it gets to the screen and nothing happens. So, again, I, I, I don't, don't know what it is. I, well, I, I don't know what it's like on the U.S. iTunes store, but certainly here in the U.K. It's not the the, the app that's available at the moment. It's only the viewer. It's the viewer. It's not the extra, yeah. It's not the get the one where you can actually play the games. But the thing is, is I saw that they've got a like a universal controller. Yeah, it's a Which Bluetooth is, controller that you can use with a computer or with uh, an iPad or an iPhone. Now, as you know, I do a lot of traveling, and I, I saw that. I thought, oh, I'm so I'm so there with that. But if it works over low bandwidth connections, I don't know how much it needs. But um, I'm going to assume that it needs quite a bit. Yeah, uh, and I saw that the uh, iPad version comes that you could download. I, well, you don't download it streaming. But you can uh, stream for free Batman Lego. Yeah. So they're at least giving you a free game. Granted, it's like a five-year-old game at this point. But nonetheless, I mean, hey, it's a free game. Exactly. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to try it. Um, and uh, that, that, could be, that could be quite cool. I'm uh, looking at the different iPhones. I've decided I am going to go with the 32. Right. Um, I just can't justify an extra 100 bucks. For, yeah, I'm, that would be sixty-four gigs, but I just I don't need that much space. I really don't, and I can't imagine that I'm going to need that much space within the next year or two. Because I really try to keep my my phone manageable. Now the iPad, on the other hand, I could use a sixty-four, or heaven forbid, Apple ever comes out with a one twenty-eight. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I I agree. In fact, I I would. I would upgrade to a 64 gig iPad if I got the chance straight away. Yeah, I would yeah. too. So I'm going to go with uh, 32, and I'm, I think I'm going to go with the white one this time. I've been seeing a couple people that have the white one. I really kind of like it, David. Yeah? Yeah, I thought I would always stick with black, because you just can't really go wrong with black, but there's something about the, the pearlescence of that white one, and it really kind of stands out. I th- I think I I always worry with white stuff that will show um, scratches and marks up a little bit more than maybe the black does, but I don't know. The only thing that ever seems to scratch on mine are the screens themselves. The rest of it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't mine's, know. Uh, the, if you hold mine in the light, you can see faint scratches, but they're not really anything you can notice unless you do that. I need to uh, figure out a different mounting solution in my car for my iPhone. I've got the, um, I don't even remember what the heck it's called now. I got it from OWC when I was doing OWC radio. And it's built for the 3GS, but it holds the iPhone 4 fine, um, it, even though it wasn't really designed for it. It's, it's yeah. a window mount. Um, mm-hmm. But the problem with it is I can't use my iPhone in a case and use it in that window mount. Yeah, it's I, not big enough? No, it, it's too tight. It would be too tight. I can't do it. Um, the problem there is, and it's an obvious one, I don't want to take my iPhone in and out of a case all the time. Yeah. Thus, I don't keep my iPhone in a case. I mean, I've got a couple of really cool cases. My favorite one, uh, I don't even know, I think it's in the car, uh, is it makes it look like a, uh, a classic Nintendo controller. The back of it. Oh, right. It looks, I mean, from a good two feet away, it actually looks like an NES controller. Cool. I get a lot of people commenting on it when they see it. They go, oh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> Where'd you get that case? Yeah. I'm like, I some geeky website online. I don't remember which one it was now, but, and it was like, you know, 10 bucks, which to me is nothing. I mean, t- I've seen some faux leather cases that cost more than that, and, you know, yeah. they're boring. But this is, it looks like a classic NES controller. Yeah, I have a, um, I used to, I, I had a leather case for a while, which kind of, 
you know, it was like a flip case yeah. with a thing that covered over the screen. And that was pretty good. But I, I actually, for, for the last few months, I've been um, not putting a case actually on the phone. But then I have the kind of this crumpler uh, nylon pouch that oh, yeah. it goes into. That's good. It has microfiber on the inside, so it cleans it as you put it in and out. Um, and there's like a couple of pockets on the outside if you want to put a credit card or a set of headphones Does or something. Does it actually clean it pretty good when you put it in and out? Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, after a while, the case itself, the inside gets kind of dirty, so you need to wash it. Yeah. Um, but but I, I like it because, it, you know, it, it means that, uh, I mean, it's, it has some padding on it, so if I, if I drop the phone while it's in there, it's kind of got some protection. You can still reach the headphone jack at the top, so if you want to put headphones in, you can do that. Um, and yet, when you take the phone out, then you you kind of because I, I know a couple of people on Twitter who always say, "Oh, I never use cases for my Apple stuff because it's the stuff is so beautifully designed. Why would you want to cover it up with some ugly piece of plastic?" And I, I have a little bit of sympathy with that view. I do too. Uh, even though I I can be a little OCD about you know scratches and marks on my on my stuff, um, so so this is kind of a nice halfway house and it has the advantage as well that if you do want to uh, put it on something in the car then then it's it, you can just slip it out of the pouch and you're you're away you know. But I actually keep my iPhone in my pocket, and yeah. a bulky case doesn't work putting it in my pocket. That's, yeah, this, that's kind of yeah. my biggest gripe. A pouch, a pouch. This pouch is not. It doesn't add real, really any bulk, so it's not too bad. Because um, yeah, I, I agree with you. If it, if you're putting, I mean, like the, I, I recently got the, um, the book book for the iPad, yeah. which is from Twelve South. You know, the thing that makes it look like a, an old battered leather journal, and yes. then you open it up inside the iPad. It's fabulous. Yeah, those are really nice cases. Yeah, I really, really like it. But I know they do an iPhone version. I wouldn't ever buy the iPhone version because I don't – because it would be too big then. Well, they do a MacBook, a MacBook Pro, uh, an iPad version. Yeah. Um, But I haven't seen the – 12 South makes some just fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, And and don't get me wrong. I'm sure the iPhone version is fabulous, but – what would you make I mean, it look it, like, though? I, I can't imagine it, making it, it look like a little book because that would, it does. It looks like it looks kind of like a little diary. You know what about the remember those little pocket Bibles that you used to see everywhere? There, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of rocking. It's kind of rocking that sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you open it up, and the iPhone's inside with and the space for credit card and stuff on the other side. Um, and I know quite a lot of people have reviewed it online. Have said it's really, really good. But for me, that would be adding too much bulk to the phone. I saw um, a uh, sticker that someone had made. It was a homemade one, and they made it look like a pack of Marlboro Lights. <laughs> <laughs> it looked pretty good too. Uh, they had to use Marlboro Light 100s because they're longer. Um, but that was—I thought that was pretty clever. Speaking of clever, David, we're going to listen to a clever ad from another show in the Stoplight Network, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Stoplight Network a little bit. We'll be right back. Siri, what's the greatest podcast of them all? It must be the My Mac Podcast. Uh. What? No, wait, it's the Tech Fan Podcast for sure. Yes, that's the greatest of them all. Okay, what about a shorter podcast? The better, shorter podcast. Oh, well then you must mean the newly updated App Minute podcast featuring John Nemo. Uh, okay, that, that is a great one, but, uh... Maybe you mean the Not Another Mac podcast. It's really wonderful, except the episodes with you guest starring. Of course, did you know you talk too much? I talk too much. How did you do that anyway? I didn't even click the button to tell you I was done. What about the Jiggy's show ever? Or the Mac Specialist podcast? You know how wonderful those are. I could go on four hours about them. In fact, I think I will. There was this one episode... For the greatest podcast of them all, listen to the Pocket Size Podcast from the Stoplight Network. Available on MyMac.com or in iTunes. We're all about iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV, everything iOS related. And once Siri is out of beta... She'll admit that we're the greatest of them all. Back with tech fan number 59, I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. And uh, David, this podcast is part of the Stoplight Network. And I I did want to talk about this a little bit because uh, there's been some news in the Stoplight Network recently. And more importantly, um, it's something I'm kind of passionate about. Now, currently in the Stoplight Network, we've got quite a few shows. And uh, to give you a quick rundown, of course, this podcast, Tech Fan, is in the Stoplight Network. Um, the Stoplight Network used to be called the My Mac 
podcasting network. But for obvious reasons, it was probably better to divorce um, the entire network away from the MyMac.com website and that podcast. Yeah. Uh, to expand it, to, to make it more, oh, I don't know, uh, approachable for other podcasts that have nothing to do with Mac or, heaven forbid, a PC podcast. And so thus was born the Stoplight Network. And now we talked to Justin last week, who actually came up with the name. I said Stoplight at first, and he said, what about Stoplight Network? So uh, so those two shows are obviously in it, uh, MyMac.com and TechFan. We also have uh, Pocket Size Podcast, which I was actually listening to Dropping the Kids Off this morning. Uh, not another Mac podcast. I said mock, didn't I? <laughs> Not, it's, that was my Australian accent there, Mark. Um, <laughs> the Mac Specialist podcast, that's a brand new one. Um, that is done by Kevin Shea and Frank Lambier. They work with me at Mac Specialist. Uh, I was the one that actually kind of pushed them into doing the show. Originally, the idea was that I would do that show. But uh, I quickly decided I think that's a bad idea. Um, I've had both Frank and Kevin on this show in the past in tech fan. Yeah. And I think that, uh, even if you're never going to shop at Mac specialist, this is a podcast that you're going to be very interested in because, uh, they don't really focus on Mac specialist. Uh, they do the show as Mac specialists. In other words, they're Mac experts. And they talk about all kinds of things that really affect any Mac user. So if you're a Mac user, and you want to hear a podcast that's not quite the norm. They don't talk about the news of the day or anything like that. They really do talk about getting the most out of your Macintosh. That's a podcast you definitely want to check out. Uh, Geekiest Show Ever. Um, the aforementioned uh, Justin does it with his brother. Yeah, and, we don't care about him. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> At Minute has gone through some major changes. Uh, the At Minute podcast is now being recorded by John Nemo. He is doing a fantastic job. I don't know if you've listened to his new podcast or not yet, David. I've not had a chance to, but I'm traveling next week, so I'm hoping to get some serious podcast listening done. You know, the thing is, uh, before it was... At Minute kind of grew out of Sam's Cool Picks, which was Sam Levin. And Mm -hmm. the problem there was Sam would only talk about things he thought was cool. And that really wasn't an objective type of viewpoint. I, I wanted to expand the show, and he wasn't really comfortable about talking about products he didn't like. So uh, we've, we're going. John, to, John doesn't have that problem. <laughs> and I wanted to go in a different direction. I wanted it to be more. Um, oh, what's the word? I, I wanted to come out on a regular basis. Let me put it that way. More consistent, and. If nothing else, John is uh, objective and consistent. But more importantly, I think, uh, he's got a really good flair for podcasting. And this short-form podcasting, he just rocks. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying listening to his shows. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do at Macworld Expo, because he's going to be there recording some Matt Minutes, too. So cool. that'll be fun. Uh, of course, we have one feed that has all the Stoplight Network shows in it. Uh, it's called Attack of the Spotlight Network. Stoplight. See, I did it again. I should have just named the damn thing Spotlight, you know? Well, then you'd be saying Stoplight all the time. I know, probably. <laughs> right? Uh, the two new shows on the podcast is the Teacher Cast, which I really like. It's I'm not a teacher, but I do have kids going through school. And it kind of gives me an insight somewhat to the teachers and what they go through. And that makes me, I think, a better parent for a kid in school. Yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about understanding what the educational process is. Uh, and I was a teacher it. for a little while, David. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. Yeah, for one semester, and that was enough for me. I <laughs> am not a teacher. At least not in that kind of a setting. Yeah. Uh, and the last show, um, and this is a new one as well, is the Apple Junkies. From TJ and Mike, um, or they everybody calls Mike Benny, and I liked their content. Uh, I think they've got really good content. The problem that they had was their audio quality was really bad. Right. And after talking to them, I, I learned that they have good microphones. They have a good room that they're recording in. 
So the problem that they had was they simply weren't setting up GarageBand to record correctly. Right. And I literally did an iChat screen share with them for about 45 minutes last week. And I walked them through the entire process of it and what the settings should be, including exporting out as AIF, running it through Levelator, all that stuff. And uh, it made a huge difference in their sound quality. Just huge. Oh. So I, it's, it, like I said, their, their content was really good. And uh, I'm happy that they joined the uh, Stoplight Network. It's, uh, they're younger podcasters. They're, they're pretty new at this. I mean, they've only been doing it for a couple months. So it's neat to listen to podcasters who are just getting their start. And that's yeah. kind of what I wanted to talk about, David. I've had a couple different people, uh, one an established podcast and another person who is looking at getting into podcasting from scratch. And that would actually be a PC podcast. It has nothing to do with Max. And um, I think it's fantastic. And it's someone that's coming in it from scratch. Very good. And, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons that I kind of start, started this whole Stoplight Network and, and the a podcasting network, if you will, and this is the broader picture that I kind of wanted to talk about and get your impressions on. Uh, Netflix has made some news recently about uh, picking up television shows like Arrested Development, uh, and they got another original program that they're coming out with. That Netflix and I hear Hulu's doing the same thing are really in actually, and so is YouTube coming out with original programming. They're really starting to take internet television, David, to the next level. They're not just you know some guy getting kicked in the balls anymore. Yeah, you know it's not just some guy sitting in front of his computer making funny faces. They were actually getting original programming that's. As good as the network stuff. And I'm kind of curious on your opinion, David. Do you see this trend continuing? And if so, what's this mean for traditional television? Or I, traditional I think, broadcasting, I should say. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 interesting. Obviously, if you're an internet, if you're providing content over the internet, then there is an advantage to you in having your own original content. Well, you know, it all comes down to getting the eyeballs in at the end of the day. Uh, and if you go and uh, if you produce original content, I mean, HBO has kind of demonstrated the value of this. It it, it improves the, the view of your brand and therefore brings more eyeballs into your station. Uh, if you look at what HBO has done as an example, you know, they... they started doing you know really top class drama shows like six feet under and that sort of thing um the sopranos and uh and there was no commercials no it was Uh, a premium service you had to pay more to get it exactly uh but the thing is, is obviously if you if you pay for hbo so that you can see those shows, then you're going to stick around for everything else. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of is a value add. And I, and I think the approach Netflix is, uh, is taking is, is very much the same thing. The advantage that, that Netflix has uh, and that Hulu have is that they can take shows that, that commercially don't work for the main networks. Yep. Um, but, I, you know, either existing shows like Arrested Development or uh, even stuff that, that just based on the main network's wouldn't touch with a barge pole, and, and they can afford to take more risks. Yeah, because if you look at something like Arrested Development, if it was getting 2 million viewers a week as a television show on a network, those are low numbers. Yeah. The same show online, 2 million weekly views of that show is massive. Yeah. So the scale is different, even though the potential audience online is much bigger than any network. Because... Um, Eventually, some of these walls are going to come th- down as far as regions, i.e. you could watch yeah. something on Netflix and oh, well, uh, you're, well, you're not uh, discriminated against just because where you live, yeah. which I think exactly. is Exactly. Because at, at the moment, I can't subscribe to Netflix and I can't view anything on Hulu. Um, and by the same token, you can't see everything on the BBC iPlayer that I can. That's right. You know, and those are, the kind of, those are the kind of things that have to come down and that that's only going to happen with the as more shows online get more popular online shows if you will well here's here's the thing of course because obviously if netflix goes out and makes a show for themselves they don't have to worry about 
you know, regional content deals in the same way that a TV company That's does. That's right, they own it. They don't, they don't even have to... Own, I mean, for instance, the BBC, the, one of the reasons that they can restrict what goes overseas is because of the way the BBC is funded. and, and right, taxpayer it's, money. It's a taxpayer money, which means that there's actually legislation in place that says what the BBC can do with its content. Yep. And they have to offer... You know, content overseas via a third-party arms-length organisation, uh, BBC Worldwide, which is not directly part of the BBC. It's like a commercial venture. So, um, and and BBC Worldwide has to pay commercial rates to actually get access to those shows. So, by making your own content, you can circumvent a lot of the kind of red tape around around this. And and ultimately, as the quality of what you can do as a small producer improves. Um, and the the scale of the online market in, uh, gets bigger, then I think you will see. Uh, it's, we're not far away from, you know, the guy uh, kind of you know the Wayne's World model, where the guy sitting in his back room or sitting in his living room, he's he's kind of knocking together something that's really really good, right? You know, well written, well produced, uh, good looking, and that sort of thing, but just doesn't have necessarily the quite the production values of a, of, a, of a network TV show, you're going to see that line start to blur. And, and we're not far away from, you know, I would say within the next three years, we're going to see the first big hit that's going to be something that literally came from a guy sat at a Mac or a PC, uh, and he's done it himself, and it's going to turn into... Effectively, it's going to be a, a YouTube, the equivalent of a YouTube viral, but it's going to be a TV series. It's not going to be, you know, a 30-second clip of somebody falling on their face. Uh, and, and the first time that happens, you know, some people are going to make some big money. Yep. Um, and that will demonstrate that that, that that market is viable. What it means for us as podcasters, I think what's important about, you know, networks like the Stoplight Network is that... Um, the difficulty is that, you know, the, the bar for entry of podcasting is now extremely low. Yeah. You know, you literally, a computer and probably $100 worth of equipment at the most if you want a decent microphone, uh, and you're kind of away. But as I think your story about the Apple junkies demonstrates, you still need a little bit of support. You do. And that's kind but of one of the reasons do. for the, the Stoplight Network, David, yeah. is because, A, I can provide some of that support obviously, but B, you're going to be part of a larger network where there's other podcasters who are more than willing and able to help you. Absolutely. And, and not and only help you technically, David, it's not, I don't mean just technically. I, I also mean promoting your show. I, I agree. That's exactly what I was about to say. The technical help, you know, creating RSS feeds, um, getting things into iTunes, getting them formatted properly. The information might not be easy to find, but it's out there. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of it's dated, though. Yeah, but nevertheless, you, if you're dedicated enough and you have you can a find it. Little, yeah. little bit of technical chops, you can find it. And also, you know, the, the advice you gave them on GarageBand and everything is also the sort of stuff which, with a bit of time and a bit of effort, you might be able to sit down and fix. Mm-hmm. But what you can't get is the support from somebody who's who's been doing it for longer and understands, you know, what's good, what's bad, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Just a kind of a community, really. Um, and and that is part of that is yes is advertising and it's support and cross promotion and that sort of thing. But part of it as well is just a group of people who are doing the same thing. Yeah, it's called know, community. Same, and, and yeah, the community of podcasters when I started, David, was amazing. Um, yeah. uh, almost every show played promos for other podcasts. Um, and it wasn't because they didn't have ads to play. It was because it was just kind of a us versus them thing. Yeah. It was podcasters versus traditional radio. And we wanted to show that we were different and we were excited about this new medium and we promoted the you know other shows in this medium. That's all kind of gone away. And it's really kind of made me sad that we don't really have that community of podcasters anymore. And that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that I started the MyMac Podcasting Network and now Stoplight Network is to kind of build a community like that. Now, obviously, it's not going to be as big as it was before, um, and it's a little bit more selective, but I think there's a value to having a community like that. You know, when someone joins a Stoplight Network, we don't take any control of their show. We We don't say what they can and can't say when they have to record, what ads they have to play, what other promos from other podcasts they have to play. 
it's a it's you know we don't we don't do any of that kind of thing. Uh, the only thing we say is play the little you know stoplight network bumper <clears throat> at the beginning of the end of your show, and then play at least one promo. And when uh, another podcast joins, we basically share a Dropbox folder with them that has all the promos from all the other shows. You just pick the one you want to play, drop yeah. it in your show, and it's good to go. You know, and they're going to do the same thing for you. So if we have 10, 12 shows, at least once a week, one of those other shows are going to play your promo, um, statistically speaking. And I, that's what I like. It, it's a community of people, and, it, yeah. and it's, it's inclusive. That's right, and also it does give you a you know a leg up on you on your audience. Absolutely. You know, it, it, I I, I listen, I've listened to one show, for instance, that I've been listening to, really since probably their first twenty or so podcasts was when I came in. It's a retro Mac cast. Yep. She talks about vintage Macs, and they're up to uh, I, th- I think they're up to about three hundred shows now, or they're, or they're approaching that. But I remember back in the beginning, you know, they they would be quite frank say, oh, "We think we've got about two hundred fifty listeners." You know, and they were there for a long time before it started to get some traction. Yep. And and one of the difficulties that that you have as a podcaster is that, you know, you, to keep your passion up, you need to have a little bit back from an audience, and and it can be tough when you've only got a very small pool of listeners. And you know, also there's, there's some risks there associated. All you do need to do is have one or two bad shows where you have some technical problems, or or maybe you're a bit short of ideas one week or something. And if you've only got a very small pool of listeners, then you can kind of lose that quite quickly and you then it, you know then it becomes difficult to sustain and and to, to want to do that at least if you're in a community then there's a there's an opportunity to uh, get your ideas and your show across to a, a wider number of listeners uh, and kind of you know kind of get you over that first bump i was talking to i think kevin shea about you were not going to be on a show and i ended up having um mark green tree on so this was, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. Um, but a discussion before that actually happened with Kevin Shea of uh, the Mac Specialist podcast. I said, you know, the, the cool thing about the Stoplight Network is we, we all are on this mailing list. So And it doesn't get a whole lot of emails back and forth, thank, thankfully. Because mm-hmm. I don't have time to read just a ton of emails. I already get a ton of emails because of my Mac, Tech Fan, Mac Specialist, and everything else. Um. Let's say you're doing a show like we do here on TechFan where we have a, a conversation. So you need at least two people. And in this case, you weren't going to be able to be on that show because I had to record it early. Yeah. I just sent a uh, an, a message out there to the podcast mailing list. And within an hour, I had a, I had a guest. I had a, yeah. a co-host. That's kind of cool. I mean, you could have someone from another podcast volunteer their time to come on your show and help you record your show, you know, and you can return the favor. In fact, that's what I told Kevin. I said, he said, I would love to do that. I said, well, send a email to the, to the podcasters out there and say, if anybody's looking for a co-host that you're, you'd be happy to come on. Otherwise, if they don't know that, that, that offer is out there, they may not ask you. And I said, you know, what's really cool is you, you go on somebody else's show, you get to promote your show, obviously, but you're going to talk about, chances are, anyways, you're going to talk about subjects that you don't usually get to talk about on a podcast. And that's a lot of fun. Yep. So that's that's what the Stoplight Network is. You know, David, I used to listen to traditional radio all the time. In fact, growing up, I wanted to be a DJ. I think I would have sucked at it. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, as an experiment, <clears throat> driving back from Chicago last week, uh, I decided to give the radio a try, not to listen to a podcast. And when I say radio, well, usually what I, if I'm listening to a radio, it's usually NPR here in the States. Yeah. But this time I decided to just kind of flip channels and to see what else is out there now. It's terrible. It's, yeah. ju- it's just some <laughs> terrible stuff. Now, Adam Carolla on his podcast was talking about this, and I totally noticed this. Um, radio hasn't changed at all in, what, 50 years I mean, the basic, they've changed formats a little bit, but they really haven't changed the way they do things. Because I was listening to this one show, and it gave me the weather, and it gave me the time. 
And then yeah. uh, maybe 20 minutes later, I came back to that radio station, and it did it again. It gave me the time, and it gave me the, the weather. And I thought, okay, who doesn't have a smartphone that could tell you what the weather is like now, or at least a computer? And every, every, every phone, even the cheap little flip phones, have a camera on it, or have a watch on it, a clock. Every car that's out there has a digital clock in it. Why are they giving me the time? It's it's stupid, and it's so archaic, and yet they're so stuck in their ways that this is the way it has to be, that every 15 well, minutes you give the weather and you give the time. How stupid. I, I, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's even worse than that with radio, because actually I would say it's 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 become so low as common denominator, yes. particularly commercial radio. I mean, it's, it's slightly different here in the UK because we have effectively two tiers because we have commercial radio and then we have the BBC. Well, um, it is like that here too know. because we get NPR and then we get commercial yeah, radio. Yeah, but the, the the difference is NPR is, uh, you know, I know from the time I spent says the, the the penetration of NPR in the market compared to what the BBC is is, is completely different. Well, yeah, that's just because uh, you know. of scale. I mean, yeah, yeah, in the United but, States, but, the scale is so much greater. Yeah, but, but you know, the BBC is... is is kind of uh, you know it, it it is so ubiquitous. Um, it it is the the first thing that many people turn to, and and the BBC has several different radio channels that have different you know uh, approaches and different formats and that sort of thing. Now now they've been through this. Their um, sort of kind of young music channel, Radio One, um, has has had to uh, really change its format several times over the years. And and you know there was uh, in the in the the I think it was the early '90s. They had kind of had a, you know, what was what became known as long, almost like a long night, the dark nights, when some, um, you know, some DJs who've been with the station for a very, very long time were all cold in one go, um, and uh, you know, caused quite a bit of a fuss in the broadcasting industry at the time because they really did have to change. Yeah. Um, but what's actually happened in the long term is, apart from the BBC, certainly here in the UK, is is that the we're we're, happy, we're having here what you've had in the states for a while, whereas the markets, the commercial markets, consolidating down into two or three very big radio players yes. who've who've bought up all the local commercial stations and are now turning. I mean, they're now actually almost branding them the same, and so effectively, you go from one to the other. You couldn't you couldn't tell them apart. Yep. And the reason they have things like the time checks and the the weather and everything is because actually they have very little staff. You know, it's a lot of it is canned. It's not, it, you know, they have these machines now that can turn out the music and can turn out the time checks. And basically, somebody just needs to feed audio clips into it uh, uh, every now and again, and it it simulates having, you know, a producer and a, and a DJ in the station all the time. When I was in uh, my studio here in Battle Creek before I closed it, yeah. A radio station moved in on uh, the main floor. Uh, they're not where they actually record, although they were going to do some of that too, uh, but the administrative offices. And I got in a conversation with a program director, and they had just bought uh, a station called Q106, which growing up was my favorite station. They played, you know, the biggest rock station, rock songs and all the DJs like Tim Barron, they were fun to listen to. They were edgy. It was live. I really dug it. It was fun. And I was outside uh, chatting with this guy, and he asked what I did, and I explained uh, the podcast and stuff. He he was completely fascinated. And he said, he had, have you ever done any uh, radio work? And I said, well, back in high school and after high school, I did a little bit of internship and stuff like that, but no, I always wanted to. And he says, would you be interested in doing a show on Q106? And I said, well, yeah, when? And he goes, well, wh what would work for you? And I said, wow, I, you know, talking about the time. And he says, why don't we, we could give you like a, uh, a Sunday morning show, you know? And uh, I thought, yeah, that'd be cool. I, and, and I should be home most Sundays. And he goes, oh, you can record it anytime you want. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, let's say we give you a four-hour slot. It'd take you about an hour to record the show. You could do it at any time up till Sunday. And it really turned me off. I was like, wow, really? This is what it's come to now? You just stick someone in a booth, and you just record your whole show, and then they play it back like it's live. That's sad. 
And then I yeah. thought, it's kind of like podcasting in a way. <laughs> you know, we record it, uh, and then we kick it out there, and people don't listen to it live. But the difference is, it's not it's not pretending to be live. It's embracing, you know, what we st- and we also give the listener the opportunity to listen to it when they want to listen to it. Not, you have to listen between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, otherwise you're not going to hear it. And yeah. uh, I, I didn't further the discussion with him because it kind of turned me off, and I kept thinking, yeah, it'd be cool, but then I would think, screw them, I don't need that anymore. It's that being on the radio isn't my dream anymore. My dream well, now is to be able to do podcasts. You know, I, I if I could release a podcast every day, David, I would totally do it. Now, it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy at Max Specialist. But my dream would be to be a full-time podcaster. If I could do that and Max Specialist, I'd be in heaven. But, you know, podcasting is, I just love it. It's what I would love to do. But it it's not there yet financially for almost anybody. Very few can do podcasting full time. So, yeah, you know, I think, and I think pretty much anybody listening to this would agree. Traditional radio is going the way of the Dodo. Their listenership is shrinking by leaps and bounds. And our generation, David, is the last that's going to be listening to the radio. We're it. Well, the problem is, I mean, that kind of story typifies it. How can it How can it compete if they've taken so much cost out of it that they're actually taking the humans out? Yeah. How, how can you innovate if everything is being done by machine yep. and tape? You know, how can you, how can you decide to respond to whatever's going on? How can you, you know, uh, how can you decide to... I, I guess if they want to respond, you know, they want to play a tribute to somebody or they want to promote something, then they can change their tape rotation or something up, record something new and stick it in the feed. But, you know, by divorcing the live element to it, I mean, really, that is that is the only advantage radio has over podcasting is that, you know, you can talk to somebody on the day as something happens, you can interact with them directly via the phone and that sort of thing. And that's something you can't do as easily on pod, on a podcast. But yeah, so, so you take your one key differentiation and you throw it out the door because it's too expensive. You know, and the other <laughs> aspect of traditional radio is they're being hamstrung by the recording industry out there that they have to pay when they play music. And that's bullshit to put it bluntly the artists and the record companies should totally let anybody play their music in a recording, whether it's a podcast or a radio, because it's nothing but promotion. And it will drive people to buy your product. But radio stations spend a lot of money for the privilege, if you want to call it that, of playing you know, music. If you want to play the latest Van Halen album, it's going to cost you money to play that on the radio station. You have to write that record company a check. Well, technically RIAA, but still. And then you have to also write a check to the people who wrote the music. And I get it. Those people need to get paid. But but this is a model that doesn't work anymore. And they're all so stuck in what worked in the 80s and 90s and before that they can't see the forest for the trees anymore. And it's just killing them. And as far as I'm concerned, the sooner the better. Because podcasting is a better medium for uh, in, in almost every regard, except for in a state of emergency when you need to turn on the radio and find out where to go or what's yeah. going on, the latest news. But most of the people are going to get that online anyways. See, there's still a place for radio as far as news. But that's about it. I mean, I podcast is such a better medium in every regard. It's it's people who are passionate who do it because they love it. Uh, it's timeshare, so you can the listener can listen to it when you want to listen to it, and it's so much more innovative than what's going on in traditional media. I mean, it's not even close. Now, I'm not saying tech fan in particular is any you know great revelation, <laughs> but. N- nonetheless, we're, we're, do we're doing our thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just said bullshit, and I couldn't say that on yeah. the radio. 
No, well, exactly. Yeah, um, not that that's you know necessarily a selling point, but you get my point. Yeah, you know the freedom yeah. to say and do and be who we are, to use our real voices instead of hey, you're listening to blah 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 blah. You know, nobody likes that crap anymore. So, the sooner these traditional media companies can go away, as far as I'm concerned, David, the better. Well, we shall see what happens. The only thing I hope is, as a side effect of that, is they don't decide to respond to that by take by coming in and trying to take over podcasting. Um, well, they could know, try. I mean, you, you see NPR is doing podcasting. There's some radio stations out there that actually do release their programs as a podcast, but it's a half-hearted, half-assed measure. And I don't think the listeners are going to go for it. I don't think they're going to be a hard sell. But I, yeah, but I think the risk really is that, is that when you have communities of podcasts, then it, it will be at some point a, a radio or a media company is going to come in and try and buy a network uh, and turn it into their network. And yes. then they will, they will try and turn it into their model. Now, depending on the network and depending on what, what it does... What the and agreements how it, are. You know, and, what yeah. the agreements are and everything, it will either turn into a kind of a podcast version of the radio or it will re- retain its identity and uh, what i would say is i hope that when that does happen that the network's concerned um unless and i'm not talking about we're not building a network here because that's what we want to happen or that's what we hope to happen it's not a money-making scheme it's well even if someone did come in david and offer yeah. me 10 million for a stoplight i would totally sell it to them because stoplight doesn't own any of the content you're yeah. basically buying a URL and a name. None of those podcasters would have to stay there, including tech fans. Just, I, I think the only thing that, that kind Damn of... Damn it, I just gave away this <laughs> crap. Well, what am I thinking? wasn't supposed I, I to think, say that. I think the only thing we need to be careful of here is you look at what happened to Podshow, or Mevio, as it's, I think it's now called, which was the network that was uh, set up in the early days by Adam Curry and yeah. his partner. A lot of the shows, and these were the you know some of the pioneers in podcasting, ended up leaving uh, Mevio as it became because it became too corporate because well, it started putting contracts down that said they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that, they had to change their shows. But they had Adam, to, Adam to built that to sell it. That's, that was his entire intention. His entire intention was to make money immediately. I, I think, yeah, but I think the problem is is that, we, you know, all of us in this industry um, have to remember that, you know, no matter what checks get waved in front of us, we have to retain our level of control and uh you know if if you if you want to sell to a big corporation that's fine but you got to make sure you don't sell the baby with the bathwater if you know you gotta you gotta look at yourself in the mirror in the morning david yeah absolutely and you've got to be able to say uh, i still do what i'm still doing what i want to do Uh, kind of what kind of typifies this for me is what happened what's just happened with um with twitter yes Uh, Twitter's just done a, a website revamp, and they've revamped the iPhone client, uh, which they bought from Lauren Brichter. It was the originally was Tweety, yep. um, and uh, they've revamped the iPhone client. And it's been very negatively received. Um, I didn't particularly care for it myself. Whether it achieves what they want to achieve is is kind of neither here nor there to me. Because the thing that kind of typified for me is Lauren's just left the company. Yep, uh, and. So he's basically what he's done is he's taken he, he built something that was very innovative and had done nothing that anybody had done before. It was sold to a big corporate and they've kind of taken it over for their own corporate strategic purposes and, and he's not there anymore. And that kind of makes me sad. And and I'd hate to see podcasting go the same way. So we'd love to get your guys' feedback, the listeners' feedback on everything we're talking about. The easiest way to do that is to simply call this phone number and leave a message, and we'll play it right here on the show. That phone number is 1-801-938-5559. If you didn't catch that, just look at the show notes. If If you're on your iPhone, it's right there on your iPhone. Tap the screen, and it will show you the phone number with all the show notes. Or you can send a feedback uh, email to feedback at mymac.com. By the way, the only reason, David, I never got techfan.com is because it was taken. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll set up another website eventually for that, but I'm not really too concerned. Uh, David, I am on uh, that 
aforementioned Twitter at MyMac is my screen name. What's your screen name? David B. Cohen. Now, we also have a MyMac.com Facebook page. Just do a search for MyMac.com and you'll find it on Facebook. Or go to our website. There's a little thing on the right-hand side. It shows all the latest Facebook updates. And please like us on uh, Facebook. We'd appreciate that. David, I appreciate being here once again this week. It's always fun to talk to you. And uh, like pretty much every week, we had absolutely no idea what we were going to talk about. (laughs) Even less so this week. I mean... We sometimes we'll have a couple of notes jotted down, but this week was absolutely barren. There was nothing. We literally, literally, uh, five ten seconds into the show, we kind of picked up what we were going to do. Yeah, you know, we were already I, recording. Yeah, we definitely were already <laughs> recording. The whole talking about stoplight network and traditional radio, none of that was pre-planned, and that's probably why we executed it so poorly. It's just my guess, anyways. <laughs> David, my friend, I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. See you then.